You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and we have come to the final episode of Season 3. It's been an awesome season filled with so many amazing testimonies, and this episode will be no different because I get to talk with a woman who is a powerful leader in the purity movement and an evangelist to the nations. You'll hear about her upbringing in a small-town church and the passion that she had for music, which led to her achieving a level of success while touring in a band. But feeling the call to go all out and sharing the gospel, she details her journey to Bible college, where she experienced sexual harassment by the lead pastor and developed an addiction to pornography. She shares how she was eventually delivered from that addiction and how in an encounter with Jesus Christ himself forever rocked her world. She then started the Crave movement with her brother to throw wild Jesus parties all across the world to be fishers of men and women. In wanting to encourage other women who have struggled with purity, she authored The Raw Confessions of a Good Girl, which gives an in-depth look at how she's battled through temptation to remain a virgin until she married, and challenges women to not settle for less than what Jesus has for them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the good girl herself, Victoria Rich's Testimony. All right, guys. Well, I am super excited because on today's episode, we got evangelist and author of The Raw Confessions of a Good Girl, Victoria Rich. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is so good to be here with you, Terry Skaggs. Are you related to the musician Ricky Skaggs? You know, I get that question a lot and not that I know of, I haven't really gone down the whole Ancestry.com trail. Um, So- Maybe there's a chance, but uh, not that I know of. So a little bit of a bummer there, but uh, still repping the name. And speaking of names, Victoria, you recently got a new last name. So what's your new last name here? Well, my new last name will be Sosa. It's not yet. Um, I married a Mexican man. Um, So we are in the process of all the legal papers and getting him to the United States. He's here. Uh, on a visa right now, but we're starting all the the legal process. He's actually cooking dinner right over there, but he has his AirPods in, so he's not listening. So we can say whatever we want. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, congratulations on getting married. And as we go through your story, I think people will really see just how um, amazing and and blessed of of a union you and Roberto have. When did you Mm -hmm. guys get married, Victoria? Oh, we just got married a couple of weeks ago. So this is very new, very fresh. Um, Newlywed we're, season. We're so excited. Oh, yeah. Super newlywed season. We're just getting going, <laughs> getting our little house together, all the legal stuff together. Um, and God has been so good. I'm excited to talk all about it. 
Amen. Amen. Well, let's get into it, Victoria. You got an amazing story. I always like to start at the beginning. And so why don't we talk about uh, where did you grow up and what was family life like for you as you were growing up? Yeah, I'm I'm from Kentucky. I'm still in Kentucky. Small town, uh, Greenville, Kentucky is where I was born and raised. My parents are pastors here of an incredible Holy Ghost filled church. And um, I, I've always been a PK. I've always known ministry, been in ministry. Church has been my life. Um, I even went to a private school uh, with other, you know, Christian kids. And then after that, we homeschooled. So my life has just been ministry. Um, and uh, all, all my teenage years, I was in a band, actually. I was the lead singer of a Christian rock band, and we were we were successful for what we did in our age. I was I think I was only um, sixteen. My brother was thirteen when we like hit our peak. We started when he was nine, and I was eleven. Uh, but wow. we were opening up for Family Force Five, Toby Mac, and those kinds of people, which was cool. And we were yeah, on, yeah. Our, on our way to success recording in Nashville and people thought we were good and that was great. So I thought that my life was going to go that way. And that was my dream. My dream was to be a singer and uh, I have history of music in my family. My grandfather was on the Grand Ole Opry and was a, uh, what do they call it? A rockabilly. He was one of the yep. rockabilly guys, uh, Dave Rich. He had quite a few hits, and he was pretty big back in the day, related to Elvis. Super cool story. But long wow. story short, um, he got radically saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and left all of it behind. I mean, just completely left all of it. RCA recording label tried to hire a psychiatrist to get him to change his mind and convince him that God wasn't real. And, you know, the story is crazy. Wow. Uh, all of that is in my blood and uh, he, he left all of it and started traveling all over the nation into Mexico and Africa, spreading revival in that day. It was camp meetings, you know, old school Holy Ghost camp meetings. And um, my father grew up in that. So, yeah, that's my heritage, music, ministry. So I was very consumed with the dream of following that music path. I don't know if it was because of my grandfather and my dad kind of wanted that same dream. So it kind of just ran, you know, through the family and in the blood. And, uh, yeah. but that, that, that consume, that consumption was very unhealthy and it, it wasn't right because I feared if I didn't make it or if I didn't uh, become this star, you know, even if it was in the Christian world that my life was nothing, you know, I didn't fulfill my purpose I was so fearful that I wouldn't make it. Uh, and I was delivered of that around the age of 18 years old at a camp meeting. The Lord just straight up delivered me of that fear, um, that dream that consumed me. And he gave me a new dream to preach the gospel. And I went to Bible college. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be just telling you my, my whole, like, just go, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, we can do whatever... 
Yeah, we can do whatever. I'd like to maybe pause here and, and unpack yeah. a couple of things here because, I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot there. So first of all, uh, being a pastor's kid, I've had a number of guests mm-hmm. on the show who who were pastor kids and some, you know, wouldn't trade that experience for the world. It, it was amazing. It was great. Others, uh, it wasn't the greatest experience for them. And so what was it like for you, Victoria, being a pastor's kid? Uh, all my experiences were wonderful except for the fact that people um, sometimes would literally try to just destroy my parents for no reason at all. Uh, Mm. So people uh, were difficult at times. I wouldn't say that being a pastor's kid was necessarily difficult for me. Um, Besides the fact, just watching my parents go through hurt from people that they considered friends or other partners in ministry, jealousy, uh, you know, just crazy stuff that happens in ministry sometimes and leadership. People um, just get jealous. And uh, we had some, some crazy stuff happen with people within the church, just really tried to destroy my parents for no reason at all. So that was difficult. Um, and that, that happened later in my teenage years. But besides that, it was wonderful. And I'm, I'm so happy that I grew up in the church. I grew up seeing miracles. I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was five years old. I spoke in tongues for the first time at five. Um, my little best friend, you know, she was experiencing the supernatural. That's just how we grew up. So um, it's a blessing. And and nothing is ever perfect for those of you that are listening and you've experienced church hurt. Humans are humans. We mess up. Pastors are even humans. Um, we're not superhuman. <laughs> and uh, hurt happens. And hurt people, yeah. a lot of the times, hurt other people. And sometimes we don't give Jesus everything. So stop blaming the church. Stop blaming um, God's people. We're just people. And uh, Jesus is perfect. His love is perfect. So. Amen. Amen. It sounds like your family's always been pretty close knit, you know, you, your mom, your dad, and then you have your younger brother, Josh, right? Yes. Josh is my younger brother. We were in the band together. Um, and we'll talk about our nonprofit in a little bit, but we've always been in ministry together. That's awesome. That's awesome. So then at what point, Victoria, I mean, like you said, you got a heritage of, of music in, in the family. When did you realize that, hey, you got this talent, you got this gift, you can sing? Oh, man. Uh, well, my mom and dad sings, my brother sings, everybody plays an instrument. <laughs> my aunts sing, you know. Uh, so I was always around singing. And I guess maybe I just figured I could probably sing as well. And so I just, I started singing in church. I think my first solo was like six years old. Um, my mom played the piano and I sang with her on an Easter Sunday. Um, and it, it was like cute, but I think my parents knew that I could, you know, carry a tune. So they, they encouraged that. And yeah, it, it was just encouraged. So that's awesome. Did you take like voice lessons or enter into any other like talent shows throughout your childhood? Um, I took voice lessons um, during my Bible college days. Uh, and I tried out for American Idol with my brother, Josh. That was an experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. What yeah. season or year would that have been? Oh, gosh. I, 
honestly, I don't, it's been about 10, 11 years ago, 2009, 2010, maybe. Okay. What was that experience like? It was really fun just because I like that kind of thing. I love being around other musicians and artists and creatives, but (laughs) it was totally fake. I'm just going to be real. It was totally fake. And I understand like you have to have a process. uh, You have to create a story. That's not what I'm talking about. Like I understand show business and making something marketable and exciting to watch. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, It was completely fake. Like we made it to the celebrity round. So we made it pretty far because there's tons of rounds before you get to the celebrities, they make they make it look like the celebrities is like the first people you see. You know, of course, that's not yeah. true. There's tons of rounds before you get to those guys. And um, I remember waiting in line. I was getting ready to see Mariah Carey, Nicki Minaj, Randy Jackson and the other guy. I forgot his name. But uh, the girl right in front of me was going and I was behind the curtain and she was just horrible. It was a joke. It was obviously a joke. And she's just screaming, you know, there's absolute no tone, no tune, even no pitch, nothing. She's just, she's there for the show. She is going for it. And the judges kind of give her a weird response and they pass her on through to Hollywood. And I'm like, Oh gosh, (laughs) that's when I got so scared. (laughs) And I'm like, this is not real. I'm so scared right now. I'm so scared. And I think it really freaked me out. Um, so w- when it was my turn, I think I started singing a couple lows or a couple keys too low. And I'm like, oh, God, I, w- I was just so nervous. Um, I didn't make it through that round to Hollywood, um, which at that age, I think I was ni- no, maybe 19 or 20. I was just so bummed. But uh, it was fun, but totally fake. I wouldn't just put all of, you know, all my dreams and hopes into American Idol or any kind of show for that matter. But it was fun. Right. Good experience, it sounds like, at yeah. least. And and one thing I always like to ask guests about on the show to Victoria is kind of that transition into those teenage years, right? We, we, we mm-hmm. know... It can be kind of a difficult transition, you know, that wonderful puberty bug hits and things start changing and life looks different. And so um, what was that like for you, especially, you know, being a PK growing up in the church, like when it comes to puberty, purity, all that stuff, what was that like for you? Uh, It was very different for me than what I've heard other people describe it as. Uh, because like I said, I was filled with the Holy ghost when I was five. I, I like made a declaration that I would preach to the world, you know, it's seven years old. And, um, so it was different for me. We were focused in our band. We didn't party or, uh, do any of the crazy stuff, you know, that you hear a lot of teenagers doing that. That was not our world at all. Uh, we were good kids. You know, that's why my book is titled good girl. Uh, I was, I was really just good. Uh, I didn't hit a bad stage or a rebellious stage until after Bible college. And there are reasons for that. (laughs) Uh, but my teenage years were pretty, um, 
pretty pure, I would say. Um, I, I was very focused on Jesus. Um, I had a few boyfriends that were kind of crazy. One of them was a pastor's kid. He was maybe the worst boyfriend I ever had. Um, and he tempted me to do stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Um, he was really emotionally abusive as well. I didn't know it, you know, at 17 years old. But um, sure. looking back, you know, I write about that in my book. Uh, but that was the the worst of the worst that I went through in that time. Thank you, God. Uh, but at 17 years old, I decided I was going to leave the band for a little while and go to Bible college. And I wanted to learn so I could preach the gospel. And that was burning in my heart just to preach. Um, I had an experience with the Lord and I, I just felt that I had to go. I had to surrender the dream of music for some reason. I don't, looking back, I don't really know why I surrendered that completely. I'm so glad I did. Um, but uh, going into Bible college, I was uh, 18. So I was a little younger because I graduated high school early. And it was a, a huge mega church, um, which I was not used to. I'm from a tiny little town. My dad's church is big for the area, but it's small, you know, because our, our area is so small. So I was not used to the, the big uh, mega church world. And um, uh, there were some things that happened during that time that brought on some rough years for me that most people probably experience in their teenage years. But for me, it was my early 20s. And uh to just to be totally real, totally raw, I was being, I guess you would say, uh, sexually harassed by the, the lead pastor of the church. And um, I was 18, 19 years old. And uh, uh, my best friend from our small town, she went with me. She was in the band with me as well. She's the only one that knew it was happening. And we were like, oh, gosh, this is crazy. You know, we're so young. He's so old. Like, there was absolutely no temptation there whatsoever. So we were just totally freaked <laughs> out, you know, like, oh, because it was happening to her a little bit as well. With me, it was a lot oh, worse. And um, we were just totally innocent, totally, uh, uh, what's the word, just unaware of anything like that um, and shocked that it was the pastor. Uh, so that did a number on me and I didn't realize what it really did to me uh, until I was a little bit older in the middle of it. I'm just like, this is freaky. You know, I don't really know what to do about this, but I was just so young and unaware. Um, yeah. but looking back, I saw the damage that it did and it was, uh, heavy harassment, uh, for two years. And uh, the Lord told me to get out of there. Um, but but something specifically that happened um, in a conversation with that person is uh, because he knew it was it was uh, not a secret that I was a virgin, that I was waiting until marriage. This was something I was not shy about. Um, I let people know it was a part of my testimony and. I was a preacher That's then. Awesome. I started preaching when I was young. Yes. Uh, so he knew that. I'm not really sure how he knew that, but um, it just wasn't a secret. So it was in conversation. He said something like, you know, to be able to please your husband, you need to 
make sure you know what you're doing and you need to educate yourself with pornography. And uh, of course, I knew that that was crazy. And I was like, oh my God. But uh, I don't know, just coming from a pastor, I don't know that that lie from hell got into my heart and into my mind and it began to torment me. And I began to do just that, which was something I would have never dreamed I would have started to do. And I became addicted, just like you hear others talk about. And and let me make this clear. I was a goody, good, good girl. Okay. Um, Not even near anything like this my entire life. Uh, and, And you know what, though? I can see throughout my whole life how the enemy was setting me up to be trapped by that. Uh, When I was maybe four or five years old, an older cousin messed with me a little bit, introduced me to some sexual things, uh, held me down, touched me in some areas that was not appropriate, that scarred me. Uh, So it, it is so wild how the enemy will begin. He doesn't care if you're tiny, if you're little, if you're innocent, pure baby, toddler, child, he does not care. He will begin at the beginning trying to entrap you in the way that he wants to trap you. And I can look throughout my life, you know, that incident happened, pain uh, happened there. Um, I I was exposed to uh, perversion and that was in my head, you know, for the re- for the rest of my years, my life. And then he brings boys, you know, to um, fuel that perversion or mess with that or bring more pain. And and then now there's this this pastor in my life of this huge, amazing church. He's kind of famous, and and then that lie is said to me, and it's just perversion on top of perversion. Um, and so I think it was just all leading you know, and building on top of each other. And I fell into that for quite a few years and nobody knew. I was leading worship at this massive church. I was on Christian television and um, it was like a dream, you know, for most Christians. That's like the dream, you know, you made it, which is not even true. Uh, It's a total lie. I saw so many jacked up people on that platform. It's sickening. But um so much perversion, so much alcohol and drugs and people supposed to be sold out to Jesus. I saw all of it behind, behind the scenes. Um, not saying that there, there's not pure people on those platforms. There are for sure. But um, yeah, so I was entrapped in sexual perversion for many years and it was a secret. And um, one day I told my best friend, and that was the beginning of my freedom. <laughs> that was the beginning of Jesus setting me free. And I, I made a video about it. I came out totally raw, totally, absolutely telling 100% truth about my situation. And that was like a stamp of approval from heaven. I was set completely free, delivered, never had Um, an inkling to ever want to do anything like that ever again. I was disgusted, turned off, uh, just never again, never, ever again. I was completely set free. I I was addicted to this for years, guys. 
for years I was leading worship and I was addicted to pornography and nobody knew I was the good girl. I was the little angel. I was the little saint. I was made fun of for being too pure, too good. And nobody knew I was dealing with that. And um, Jesus set me completely free. But I write, I write about all of this stuff in my book as well. I'm just giving you, you know, little bits. Yeah. And I love, Victoria, how open you are about this. I feel like, and, and I work as a marriage and family therapist, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my practice, and I think even in the world, right? Like when when we think about people struggling with pornography, I think most people's minds go towards men, that men struggle mm-hmm. with it. But man, in, in my years of doing therapy, I'm seeing more and more women that are struggling with it. And it just, it's, it's not talked about. And so I love you being so open and, and real and, and raw Mm -hmm. with that, because I know for a fact that there's women listening to this right now that are struggling with it. And you had an amazing experience of Jesus delivering you from that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a difference between, um, you know, being recovered and then being delivered, right? Like delivered, like you said, it just takes away the urge Mm -hmm. and the want for that, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, I, I'm wondering, what was it about the pornography other than your pastor recommending you to watch it? Like, what was mm-hmm. it about pornography that just kind of kept you entrapped to it? Like, I know at, from the male perspective, and, you know, I've been open about my uh, struggle with pornography when I was in college, you know, it's, it's, it's that visual stimulation, right? And so mm-hmm. from a female perspective, from your perspective, Victoria, what was it about pornography that kept you uh, kind of in bondage to that for a number of years? Well, I think it's exactly the same. Uh, I think women, men, I, men are more uh, talked about being sexual. Women, for women, it's different. But women are, I think, just as sexual as men um, yeah. in a different kind of way. It may be loneliness that brings it on. It may be insecurity. Um, I, I'm not, honestly, I'm not really sure. I just know it's extremely demonic (laughs) and, uh, and there is something that is open to hell when you begin to watch that kind of perversion. Um, and it is truly an addiction that has to be broken by the power of God and uh, yeah, I, I can't say there's anything I can I, I can just pinpoint and say, oh, that's why I did it. Um, I don't even remember how it even started, to be honest. And and that's when you can just see the enemy at work. And of course, your flesh has to agree with the enemy, but you yeah. can just see how dirty and filthy he is, and how he entraps you with pain and loneliness and abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, harassment. And you see yourself, you know, I think it's because when you're exposed, especially as a child, there, there might be people watching this, listening to this, and you were abused as a child. You're not supposed to experience that kind of perversion. I mean, at any age, but especially as a child, and it does something to you. It, it You're not supposed to be sexual at that age. You're not supposed to have thoughts, you know, of those types of things when you're nine years old. 10 years old, even 12 years old. It's not supposed to be happening. And I think yeah. that the enemy can really attack uh, you in that area when you've been abused. And so I just want to speak to 
anyone that has been abused. Um, and even if it was just like for me, it was just a family member showing me things they shouldn't have showed me with my body and touching me in places. I wasn't raped, um, but it, you know, it was sexual perversion and it was abuse. Um, don't let the enemy make you feel like you're the filthiest person on the planet, that no one else is going through this, that you're disgusting. We are all sexual beings. God made us this way. No, we're not supposed to be watching this type of perversion. That's why it feels filthy when you're done with it. It's not natural. You're not supposed to be doing it. But you are a sexual human being, and that is okay. God created you that way to um, experience that within marriage, experience sexual things within marriage. Um, But there's just a time for it. And out of God's time, it's perversion. And that's why it doesn't satisfy. That's why addiction comes. That's why the enemy uh, feeds on it and and makes it grow. And that's why you can't get satisfaction either. The Lord protected me in it. And I never started watching things that were, um, and I don't know how to explain this in a good way, but I know that there's just really, really disgusting things. Uh, he protected me and I didn't see, uh, too much, but I hear that people like they, they don't get satisfied or they keep watching more horrible things and it, it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. It's that addiction component to it where it's like a drug where you, you need something more intense to get that same high. Uh huh. I know that that happens for people. Uh, it didn't happen for me and I think it's just the grace of God. Um, and he delivered me quick. Um, it, it, it was, it was beautiful, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I, I have no idea, honestly. What, what stands out to me, um, there, Victoria, is that it only takes one person to put an idea in your head that mm-hmm. completely changes the way you view things, right? Like that pastor, yeah. like, I mean, you talked about, uh, being kind of touched in inappropriate ways and had some boyfriends mm-hmm. doing some things that weren't honoring of you through, throughout, you know, your teenage years. But, um, mm-hmm. before he had put that idea in your mind, was that something that you had ever even like thought of or desired as I want to watch pornography? No. Um, I, I think, I don't, I think it was just, um, well, the pain I was going through during those years of that harassment and that abuse from my elder, my leader, my pastor, someone that I looked up to in the beginning, someone who I thought was anointed, um, someone that I loved. I think the pain of going through that is maybe why I turned to that and allowed it to um, just attach itself to my life in such a strong way. I can't really explain why, but I just see how the enemy lines things up to tempt, to cause you to fall. Um, But yeah, glory to God. It's it's over. It is done. Amen. Yeah, it is finished. It it is yes. finished. That that's an amazing testimony in and of itself there wow. Victoria. I I'm curious, you know, I think whenever we overcome an addiction, we're delivered from an addiction. There's always kind of that reflection piece and um even just kind of that that looking back on who do I need to forgive, right? And obviously that that mm-hmm. pastor uh that planted yeah. that seed in your mind. 
How did yes. you or where are you at with with the forgiveness process towards him? What, what does that look yeah. like for you? Like I said um, a couple minutes ago or maybe 10 minutes ago, um, you know, those of you who have been hurt by the church, hurt by pastors. I'm a pastor's kid. My dad's a pastor. I love him. I'm for pastors. I love the church. Um, we have to forgive. We have to realize and recognize that even pastors are human and even pastors can be messed up, jacked up. We hear these stories about um, pastors killing themselves and and we look at stories like that and we're like, oh my gosh, how could he ever? Because he's a human, because he's a man. How could King David look, look upon a naked woman and say, I'm going to kill or I'm going to make sure her husband is killed in battle so I can have her. How could this happen? He's a man after God's own heart. How can, you know, uh, Peter deny Jesus after seeing the miracles that he did? How can all of these people do the things that they have done? We cannot judge. We cannot be the kind of person that says, how dare you? And I'm going to hold you to that for the rest of my life. We are not God. We did not die on a cross for their sin. And we have to forgive. We have to realize that they're just human and look what I have done. They said that, but look what I did. I allowed that to get into my heart and I began to watch filthy things for years. Look at me, look at me. And I think that will keep you in the right place with God, the right place with Jesus. You know, these people may have done all of these different things, but what have they been through? Who, who abused them? Who abused them as a child? Who lied to them? Who hurt them? Um, and yes, there should be accountability. It's not okay for people in authority and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to be doing these things. And those people should be set down. They should be dealt with. They should ask for forgiveness to those they have hurt. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you, the, you know, the person that's been abused or the person addicted to something right now because of pain that you've gone through. If you want to be set free, if you want to be delivered, you have to forgive. It's the key. It's the key to deliverance. Why is it the key? Because it's the blood of Jesus that runs fresh. Jesus said, you have to forgive so I can forgive you. It's the key. As soon as you yep. forgive, the blood right. of Jesus washes you clean and Satan cannot stay. Demons cannot stay. Your flesh is put under subjection and um, everything is put into line for you to be free by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony, are we set free and delivered? So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Preaching it, Victoria. Love it. Love Amen. it. And and yeah, that that is the key. Forgiveness, right? You know, I, I tell clients mm -hmm. that uh, unforgiveness is is like bitterness where it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. Like it just right. eats away at us. It it, it harms yeah. us. And like you yeah. said, the, the key there is forgiveness. If if Jesus mm -hmm. commanded us to forgive, then there's no question about it. You know, it doesn't really matter what that person did. We're supposed to forgive them. Right. Doesn't we excuse or justify it. it. Yeah, right. it doesn't excuse or justify it, but mm -hmm. it's it's that command. It's it's really like you said, just having your heart in alignment with the Father. And so, yeah. I man, I just loved everything you spoke of uh, right there, Victoria. Mm -hmm. One last question for you before we kind of jump to the next stage of your story here. 
I, I want to to focus on women specifically right now. Again, there there may be women listening to this, watching this, that are currently addicted to pornography, and it's and it's something where they feel it. I mean, they 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 feel powerless against it. They feel like I everything that I've tried, it's just not working. I keep coming back to it. What advice do you have for them? Speak to those women. Well, first, I would I would ask if uh, they know Jesus, if they've given their life to Jesus. And that that's the beginning. That's the start. Because we can o- only overcome these things with his power, with his spirit that he sent to us on this earth, his precious Holy Spirit. Um, with Without those things, I mean, we can do a five-step process and, and try our hardest, but I guarantee you, you're going to slip back into it when you get lonely, when you get depressed. When the guy dumps you, abuses you, something happens in your life, you're going to turn to that vice. I guarantee you, um, Jesus is the answer. He's the key. And uh, give your life to Jesus, number one. Tell someone, number two. Tell someone that you trust. I'm not talking about some creepy dude or some, you know, guy that you're kind of dating. No, tell, you know, for me, it was my best friend um, who is a powerful woman of God. She was right beside me when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, the the most amazing, incredible woman I've ever known. You know, I know that she's going to hear me. She's not going to judge me. She's going to help me. She's going to hold me accountable. Um, That was a huge thing for me when I told her. I remember we were driving down the road and I was actually going to preach somewhere. And I said, Becca, this is killing me. I have to tell you what I'm doing. I have to tell someone because I don't want to do it anymore. And and I had those moments where I would tell Jesus, please deliver me of this, please. I would cry out to the Lord. I felt such guilt. I hated myself for doing it. Um, And uh, yeah, the Lord, he began to press on my heart to tell her. I told her and it was, it was like no big deal. She said, she told me some things she had dealt with in the past. It wasn't that specific thing. It was other things. We all have things that we deal with. We're flesh, we're human. Um, so don't just let the devil beat you up with shame and don't beat yourself up with shame. We all have stuff that we deal with or have dealt with. And if somebody has told you they've never dealt with anything or someone's acting like they're little Miss Holy or Mr. Holy, I guarantee you they're not telling the truth. We are humans. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. That's just true. Okay. We're all on the same playing field here. But anyway, she responded how somebody is supposed to respond. And I would encourage you to tell someone like her and someone that's going to love you, encourage you, hold you accountable. And then just begin to tell your story. You have to do that with wisdom. Um, and if you start experiencing some freedom after telling that first that first person, start telling other people. I'm experiencing freedom. Jesus is setting me free. And uh, it, it's like Satan is so terrified by that testimony. Um, that he begins to back off. He begins to, his hands have to step away, you know, from you. And his demons have to back up. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. As soon as you start to experience freedom and you will start to tell more and more and more people. 
If you fall down, get back up. The blood of Jesus runs fresh every day. Get back up. Cover yourself with the blood of Jesus. Tell your friend, I messed up. Pray with me. Um, and, and my prayer to you is that the same anointing that came on me when I told my story, that same anointing would be there for you to break the back of the enemy, break the yoke of the enemy, and um, just completely set you free where you're absolutely disgusted, where you see with the eyes of Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus having to look upon that thing that you're looking at? Think about that. Yeah. Can you imagine the eyes of Jesus Christ, the eyes of your angels, having to watch you do what you do and how disgusting that is. And then think about all the people that are doing the exact same thing you're doing. Looking at that same image, that same video or whatever it is that you're looking at. It's disgusting. Those, those people that you're watching are people created by God. They're not robots. It's not a movie. It's not, those are humans. Um, so, you know, something else that happens when the, when the Lord delivers you, he lets you see the way that he sees. The blinders are taken off of your eyes. How can we watch these things? You know, how did I watch those things for years? Because I was blinded with perversion. The enemy had my eyes completely blinded. I was numb. I couldn't see. As soon as the Lord delivered me, I saw how disgusting it was. You know, I was just um, praying for deliverance with a friend of mine who had a lifestyle of homosexuality. And he was married to a man. I mean, he was deep into it. And the Lord has had him on a journey of deliverance. And he said this exact same thing, that when the Lord began to deliver him of homosexuality, he became disgusted with it. How could he ever live that way? How could he ever think that that is the way the Lord designed a man to be? And he began to see, you know, that there's supposed to be life given from relationship. There's supposed to be fruit this is how the Lord designed things to be. Anyways, it's just so interesting to me that as soon yeah. as God takes these blinders off of our eyes, we see the way that he sees. Ask the Lord to give you his sight, give you his heart, give you his ears. And just imagine uh, putting Jesus in that position to have to deal with that. And that's what we yeah. do. That's what we yeah. do, guys. It's disgusting. It's it's so sad. It makes me just want to break down and cry that we would do that to our Jesus. The holiest of the holy, the purest of the pure, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're supposed to be living for him. And that is the way we treat his blood, his grace. Man, I, as you're talking, I think of the verse, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Like once mm -hmm. we get that taste, once we see the Lord, we don't want anything yeah. else. Everything else pales in comparison to that. And I'm so thankful that the Lord brought deliverance to you in that area. And that that wasn't the end of your story there, Victoria. Yes. Speaking of story, let's go on to the next phase. So you mentioned that the Lord kind of told you, hey, you need to get out of that church or you need to get, get out of that uh, school that you were at, Bible college right. that you were at. So where, mm -hmm. where did you go next? I came home to my tiny little town. I was in a huge city in the, Uni in the United States. Um, and so that was a drastic change for me. I was offered a huge job uh, at that church. Like I said, it was like a Christian's dream. 
I gave it all up and I ran home because my spirit was dying there. Uh, I'd never experienced that kind of death to my spirit ever in my life. Um, So I knew I had to get home. And uh, when I was home during that season, I was probably at the lowest point of my life, very depressed. Uh, I was like, what in the world am I even going to do? Remember, I'm like a super driven teenager. Our band was pretty successful. And um, I'm like, I I have nothing right now. There's no music. There's no ministry. Uh, During this time, I'm still entrapped with that addiction. And uh, Jesus visited me. And he literally came to me in the night. And I remember it like it happened last night. Uh, I That night, I had actually watched something impure. And I was, you know, I was in this season of being addicted. Depressed, lost, carrying this pain and embarrassment I had to tell on that person. Uh, it, w- it was so embarrassing. I just can't even explain how horrible it was for a shy, young, 19-year-old, good little girl. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it was just rough. And I remember that night, I didn't even pray. I usually pray before I fall asleep. I didn't. And um, I fell asleep, and I go into this dream But every time I explain this story, I don't like to call it a dream because it's unlike any dream I've ever had in my life. It was real. It was an experience. It I'm beginning to shake right now because every time I tell the story, I just feel the presence of the Lord. I mean, it was something that changed me forever. I'll be telling the story until the day I die. Come on. came, Came to me. It was in a dream experience. And in this experience, I'm looking out out of my window over this huge field, and I'm putting on my makeup to getting ready to go on a trip, which is probably significant. And as I'm looking out over this field, it's dark. It's like in, in the night. I see this statue of Jesus, and it, it's a religious statue. He's kneeling and looking up to the heavens and his hands. Um, have like a like a praying praying hands, you know, looking up to the heavens. He's got the wavy hair and the robe, and the light is hitting him uh, just right. The moon is hitting him just right on his face as he looks up, and all of a sudden, <laughs> the statue comes to life, and he completely changes how he looks. The hair crinkles up, all frizzy. Honestly, not very pretty, um, <laughs> and. Color comes to his skin and his robe begins to flow. And I'm, I, I remember standing up from my little makeup vanity and I'm looking at Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking in my mind, oh my God, oh my gosh, he's actually real. Like just a total freak out. I was absolutely freaking out. This man was real. I've, I've been talking about this man my whole life. I've believed in this man my whole life. My dad has preached about this man my whole life, but there he is. I'm looking at him with my eyes and I cannot even explain to you in words what that felt like to look at Jesus. <laughs> I can't, I cannot. Yeah. It was a feeling. It was a holy fear like I have never experienced, a fear that shook you to your core. Um, 
and so he, he's walking towards me. I'm inside the window inside the house. And he comes to the outside of the window. He walks all the way up to the window. And I remember being in such fear, I could barely look at him. A holy, reverent fear. And um, in the midst of that going on in my mind and in my heart, that fear, he takes his hand and he draws a little pink, glittery heart. And I knew in that moment, that's my Jesus. That's the man that I know. That is the God that I love. That is my Jesus. Okay. Okay. I do know him. <laughs> and uh, I, I love pink and I love glitter. So he totally put me at ease. Yeah. And um, in that moment, I just whispered to him, I miss you. And boom, he was in my bedroom. And I remember thinking, oh, he didn't use a door. Oh my gosh, he, he's just here. Oh my Lord, oh my goodness, you know. He's in my bedroom. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is in my bedroom. I'm having all these crazy thoughts. It's hard to explain. And being in his presence, like him actually being in the room versus outside, was a whole other level of holy fear. It's really hard to describe. And I just wanted to fall to the ground and worship at his feet, I felt like a worthless worm. And I couldn't believe that I had ever cared about anything other than this man. And I felt such regret looking at my things in my bedroom, thinking about the boyfriends that I had had. Uh, you just, you know, I'm a young girl. I'm thinking about all these things that consumed my life. And I just wanted to lay it at his feet and just tell him, I'm so sorry. I cared about anything other than you, my Jesus. I'm so sorry. I cared about anything, wanting to be anybody, wanting to sing, even wanting to preach, wanting anything other than you. And he, he hadn't said a word yet, but he was perfecting my heart. He was perfecting my mind. He was teaching me just by being in his presence. And this just continued to go on. He was perfecting me. He was perfecting me, perfecting me. Just standing there, not saying a word, not even smiling. He was just there. And um, during this process of him perfecting me, he goes over and he begins to fold my clothes. And I don't really know the full significance of that. I wonder if he did that to put me at ease again. Like, it's okay. You have clothes. Just don't love them too much. You know, it's okay. Sure. You have these things. Just don't put them above me. Don't, don't care about them. I mean, his word says we're not supposed to really care about what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. He will provide, you know. So I think he was just showing me and teaching me just with his actions. And then uh, he goes to my shoes. I love shoes. I love crazy wild shoes. <laughs> he goes to my shoes and he looks at me. And the only thing that he said to me during this experience was have fun fishing. And when he said that, it was like he took his heart and everything he cared about and he slammed it into my heart. And I could feel 
what he felt for people. I didn't really care about people before this moment. I only cared about myself. I only cared about my future, my ministry, my music. I loved Jesus or I thought I did, but I didn't really because I didn't love people the way that he loves them. And I saw, once again, blinders were taken off of my eyes and only he can do that. Only he can make you see. And in a moment, he showed me what this life is all about. And in a moment, he taught me how to fish. And um, I, I knew that that was all he had to say and that he was getting ready to have to leave. So I told him, I said, please just wait here in my room. My dad has to meet you. Please don't leave. I have to go get my dad. He has to meet you. Jesus, please. You know, like he's a celebrity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I run out of the room. I grab my dad and this is still in the dream. Some people get confused. I run and get my dad. And I'm like, dad, Jesus is in my room. And I'm looking around and Jesus is gone. But everything in my room is alive. My sheets are dancing on my bed. My pillows are like hitting the ceiling. My curtains are dancing. My makeup is dancing. Every single thing in my room is alive. And me and my dad are looking at this like, oh my gosh, what in the world is going on? And then we look outside and the trees are on fire, but there's no smoke. Just like when Moses described the burning bush and he said there was no smoke, it was the same thing. Um, And choirs of angels and soldiers, uh, fireworks, the greatest display of a party I've ever seen in the sky. And I'm just looking at all of these things happening in my backyard. And I knew that they were just celebrating that Jesus had come. (laughs) Jesus had come to me. Jesus had delivered me, perfected me, my thanking, my heart. They were celebrating what Jesus had just done in me. And it was the most grand celebration I had ever seen. And that's what Jesus does for every single one of us. That's what heaven does for every single one of us. You know, when you get a revelation, when you hear from the Lord, when the Lord does a miracle for you, when you decide to follow Jesus, all of heaven throws the most grand party and it's real. I saw it with my own eyes. I wake up from this dream and it's in the middle of the night and I am uncontrollably speaking in tongues. This is the only time this has ever happened to me in my life where I couldn't control it. It's coming out of me like a, uh, a river. I mean, I cannot control it. I'm weeping. I'm crying. I am uncontrollably speaking in tongues and almost screaming like a, I I was just, I was flipping out. I could feel Jesus still so close. I could feel his presence. I've never felt anything like it in my life. I run up to my parents' room. I explain what happened. You know, they're in bed asleep in the middle of the night. I'm screaming to them. I just met Jesus. Jesus was in my room. This is what he did. This is what he said. And from that that moment on, um, we've been fishing. Of course, I've been telling this experience to everyone I meet. And uh, long story short, because we're getting kind of long here, but you're good. 
my brother and I had a very close friend die of a drug overdose around this same exact time. And it wrecked us. It was a, a death that just wrecked our hearts. And um, we asked the Lord, Lord, how do we reach people like him? And it was around the same time I had this experience, have fun fishing. And uh, the Holy Spirit just began to teach us how to fish in a radical, creative way. We started throwing huge parties. I'm from a tiny, tiny little town of 5,000 people. We had 500 teenagers at our first party. Salvation rate was like 99.999%. I don't know if there wasn't (laughs) one person in the building that didn't raise their hand uh, for Jesus Christ. And uh, we've been on a journey just running after Jesus and fishing ever since. And uh, it's been nine years since I had that experience. We have uh, taken Crave, CraveTheMovement.com is our ministry. And we've taken Crave to L.A., San Diego, Chicago, small towns all over the U.S., uh, down into Mexico, Bogota, Colombia, Egypt. And uh, we did Africa, Kenya, Kakamega, Kenya last June. Um, The Lord is just... Man, he's exploding that thing. And uh, we're, we're just fishing. We're fishermen. We're wild fishermen. We're just getting people saved. And um, uh, Jesus is just amazing. And when you say yes to, to him, he will take that little yes, that little yes that seems insignificant. He will take your story. He will take your life. And he will do what only Jesus can do. And that's miracles. Yeah. That's what he does. My goodness. I, I'm yeah. kind of speechless here, Victoria. Like the the encounter that you had with the Lord there. I mean, that that's stuff that like people pray for and like wish for and dream for. But like you had it happen to you. Like you had mm-hmm. that encounter with him. And like you said, it, it obviously marked you forever. And from that moment on, is that when you were delivered from the pornography? No. I still struggled for quite a few years. Uh, and if you get my book, goodgirlthebook.com, I'm actually sold out right now, but I'll get more. Uh, goodgirlthebook.com. Um, I write all about this and the timeline and the, the process. Uh, I was completely delivered about four years ago, I think. Um, I think around four years so okay. yeah, I was I was running after Jesus. I was in ministry, and I still had this thing on my back for a little bit of time. And you know what's so beautiful? Jesus came to me in the middle of that filth. It didn't bother him to come to me. Yeah. You know the things that you struggle with. He's not bothered by them. Um, he loves you anyway. He wants you delivered of those things. He wants those things gone. Um, he's he's bothered that they're causing you so much pain. He hates the sin and the pain, but he came to me anyway. I wasn't fasting. I wasn't praying. Um, and Jesus will come when you fast and pray. I'm not saying he won't, but sometimes he just comes when you're jacked up as well. And he will put you on his back and he will carry you through until your day of deliverance. He knows when that day will be. He knows everything. And uh, yeah. I love Jesus. 
<laughs> oh man, it's it, it never gets old hearing about the goodness of God. And like you said, it just yeah. all it takes from us is just saying yes, right? To just yeah. say yes and surrender. to trust God with yeah, surrender, uh, trust Him with the dreams that He has for us. And you know, I, I'm I'm guessing that that's what you did too with this book. You know, when did God put it on your heart to write about? your story, right? About your journey with purity to, to kind of be a, uh, a leader in the purity movement here. Yeah. Well, I started writing during this whole season. It's what helped me, uh, get through, uh, after Bible college, I got into a bad relationship with a dude that you will read about. And, um, it did not help what I was going through. Okay. He was horrible. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I started writing, really writing to the Lord and just letting these things out. And I was watching some of my girlfriends in church going through the same sorts of things, abusive relationships on a whole other level, even. I mean, physical abuse, horrible physical abuse, best friends that I had grown up in church with that knew better. They knew not to be dating this kind of guy. And I was just looking at all these circumstances and I was like, are you kidding me? I'm so mad that we are entrapped in this kind of a way. Like, are you kidding me? I was just so mad. So I just started to write, write about their circumstances, write about my circumstance. And um, I started meeting other girls, began to write about their stories. And it just became a book. Um, Yeah, it just became a book. I, I, I will say, because I haven't said this at all, when I was really young, I decided that I was not going to have sex until marriage. And I messed up a gazillion times, many, many times. Um, and I was not perfect, but I did not have sex with, uh, with a man um, until marriage, which was just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so, Praise God. I'm 32 years old. So I awesome. was a virgin when I got married. And um, that's a whole other podcast um, talking about my husband and his purity and his story. And that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, so I am all about purity and God's timing. And th- that's a whole other conversation maybe for next time. But yeah, that's when I started to write the book. Yeah, and and like I said before we started recording Victoria, I read this book and and the book is is written obviously towards women, but I would encourage every guy listening to this to go out and get a copy because awesome. I, yeah. I I just it, it just really encouraged me to go that extra mile in like protecting the women around me, right? Like my mm-hmm. wife and I were both virgins when we got married and uh, awesome. we don't have kids yet, but I got, I got some younger nieces and um, you just talk about the call of, of men to, Hey, let's help protect the women. Let's, let's help mm-hmm. them with that purity battle. Let's, let's honor them in that way. And so I would encourage every guy to go out and read this book. And man, I almost feel like this should be required reading for every woman growing up because it, it it's just like like the book says it's so raw it's so real and i don't know if you've gotten any like flack about that from the church or any pushback on that from the church at all with how you know deep you went into anything at all victoria but i love surprisingly, it no surprisingly no i think people know how jacked up it is out there like it's just not hidden anymore you can look at the music videos 
my poor mother heard a rap song one day that wasn't edited and she about just had a cow. I mean, it's horrible. <laughs> the things they describe yeah. in music. And I, I, I thought I would get some pushback from religious people. We've had that in the past with Crave because we're just, we're radical and real and raw. We do things very differently, but I, I thought it was going to come. Like I was like, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for people to be really mad about me being so real. Um, but nothing, not from the Baptists, not from the Presbyterians, the Catholics, nobody. I'm like, okay, we're good. We're, but I think it's because everybody knows how bad it is. And yeah. uh, the yeah. sexual perversion starting at such a young age, it's... Everybody knows, and we have to have help from God. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, at the time that we're recording this, the Balenciaga stuff has been coming out. Right. And like you said, just the perversion of, of the children. And so, man, this mm-hmm. book is so timely, Victoria. Um, again, where can people get it? Goodgirlthebook.com. It's also on Amazon, but I only make about 52 cents if you buy it on Amazon. <laughs> plus I don't get to sign it and I don't get to include a personal note and a prayer. The Lord has been doing really cool things. When people buy a book, um, I've been getting a few prophetic words for people, which is really cool. So um, yeah, I want people to buy it from me so it can be very personable, but if not, you can also get it on Amazon. Right, right. Well, I'll I'll put the link to uh, thegoodgirlbook.com in the show links so that people know exactly where to go, get it directly from you, get that extra personalization from you. Because yeah, it's I've seen your Instagram stories and seeing people uh, give you feedback on on the words that you're getting to people as you're writing in their books for them, and it's yeah. just. I mean, it's just the Holy Spirit moving, right? It's just amazing to mm-hmm. see. And okay. like you said, Victoria, um, we're going to have to get you on for like a part two because I know there's more of your story. But again, yeah. you know, purity is is the, the theme of your journey here. And you just got married a couple of weeks ago. What was that like? And, and I mean, we're not getting into details or anything, obviously, but what was it like for you to give that gift of purity to your mm-hmm. husband? Oh, I know for him, it was the greatest gift he could have ever received because he told me over and over and over again, <laughs> he was so thankful that I waited. Um, and I think he will be thankful for that for the rest of our lives. Uh, for me, it was peace, just so peaceful, which is the way I believe it was designed to be. Uh, we're not supposed to be having um, insecurity and worry and emotional damage. And um, when it's in God's timing within marriage with the person that you have given yourself to for the rest of your life and it's anointed by God, there is such peace there. It, and it's like so, so natural, so peaceful. Um it's hard to explain. Just simply anointed by God. I actually have new revelation about it. I don't know if I really want to go into it right now because it's kind of detailed. But um, I realized it, you know, after our wedding night and the honeymoon and all that. You, you guys are adults. You know what goes on. So I realized, like, wow, God's designed this this way because of that. I'm probably going to write about it in book two. 
Um, but yeah. it's just so specific how God has designed that specific thing to happen between a man and a woman, you know, within marriage, even how her body is made and the man's body and how it fits together. And it's just a big old revelation I have concerning that. But I would encourage you guys to wait if you've had sex and you're like, oh, well, I'm already screwed. I've had sex. You know what? You can make the decision right now. Like I said, the blood of Jesus runs fresh every single day. You can start the journey of purity right now with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. You can decide today to wait for your husband. If you're a guy, to wait for your your wife. And it's a beautiful, beautiful decision to make. Yeah. And so worth it. So Mm, worth it. Worth the wait, my Lord. I would wait two decades more. And I mean it. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Victoria, last question for you. As you look back at the goodness of God in your life, what comes to mind? I guess the first thing that comes to mind is there's nothing I could do, nowhere I could run, that he would not be there to give his love to me, to clean me up, to brush me off, to hold me. Um, there's never been a moment, you know, my, my lowest moment or when I've thought that uh, I was unforgivable or it was like, how could I do this the millionth time, you know? He has always rushed in and made me feel like a daughter made me feel like his beloved, his loved one, his bride. And um, yeah, the goodness of God, uh, that, I guess that's the greatest thing I can think of uh, throughout my entire life. Everything I've been through, even as a child, I talked about that, his goodness there, uh, watching my parents just be absolutely backstabbed by so many people and hurt and the goodness of God in that, you know, looking out through all my life, the abuse that happened in Bible college, the goodness of God in that, and then my fall, my addiction, my my screw-ups, the goodness of God in that, the death of my friend, the goodness of God in that. Um, and now as we run after Jesus on the mission field, my God, his goodness is absolutely astounding. His miracles, his supernatural things that we're experiencing. He is so good. And you know what? I'll leave you with this. He is not good because we are good. He's just good. It's who he is. He can't be anything else but good. You can't be good enough for him. (laughs) None of us are good. He's just good. That's who he is. Amen. Amen. Victoria, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being gracious with your time and coming on and sharing your story. Where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media? Instagram at Victoria Ray Rich, R-A-E. That's how you can also find my book on Amazon as well. Victoria Ray Rich. Uh, I have a TikTok, but I don't really use it. And um, Facebook, not so much either. So Instagram, I need to get on the TikTok game. I've got to do that. But go follow me on Instagram. You can DM me. I will talk back to you. I will pray with you. Um, let's talk. If, if you need prayer of deliverance, if you cannot kick the pornography habit or any other habit, I will pray over you. We will start talking about your process and your journey. So, 
Amen. Well, Victoria, you are a, a leader of this generation. You you and, and your husband and, and the Crave movement. I just see mm-hmm. God continuing to bless your guys' ministry and bringing you mm-hmm. into areas and places that you, you could have never even imagined possible, that God mm-hmm. is going to continue to establish your influence and your platform because your heart is for him. It is so obvious mm-hmm. and clear that your heart is for him. All you desire is to make him known for people to feel uh, what you mm-hmm. feel for him. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited to to follow you along on the journey. It's going to be amazing. It, it's going to be uh, filled with miracles and, and breakthrough and deliverance and healing. And watch out, world, because uh, uh, Crave, Victoria, Roberto, amazing things in store. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Victoria. Mm-hmm. And you are so anointed, Terry, to do this. And I just bless you in Jesus' name. I bless this program. Lord, just absolutely anoint it, set it on fire, bring listeners and viewers. uh, And I just bless your home, Terry, and your wife. And may children come at the right time in Jesus' name. You know, that's something I wanted. I think the Holy Spirit wants me to share this right now before I go. Yeah. Before getting married, I thought, should I go on birth control? <laughs> and what should I do? You know, because I've never been on that because I've never been in a season of having sex ever. So um, the Holy Spirit was so clear to me not not to do it and to completely trust him with the timing of my child. And uh, I, I felt conviction and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a question like, if you can't trust me with the timing of a human being coming to the earth, you know, can you really trust me with anything? And I was like, woof, okay, Lord, Ooh. I'm going to trust you. Um, yeah. So just when you, when you mentioned that you guys don't have children yet, I felt the Holy Spirit light on that. And I just want to pray over that, that in Jesus name, those children would come in God's perfect timing, that they would be anointed of God. They would be men and women of God preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ for such a time as this to come into the world and bring Jesus to a culture that is sick and dying. Oh God, we thank you for these anointed children, these anointed babies that you are preparing for Terry and his wife. We thank you for it, Jesus. Perfect timing. We declare it's done. We declare they're on their way in Jesus name. Amen. So like I mentioned, my wife and I don't have any kids yet, but if we are ever blessed to have a daughter, Victoria would be one of the people I'd want them to look up to. Like she said, she's not perfect, but she remained steadfast in wanting to honor Jesus and her future husband with her purity. And now she gets to enjoy the fruit of that waiting with her husband, Roberto, for the rest of her life. I'm so proud of Victoria, and it's so cool to see the blessings God is pouring out on her life. As I was talking with her, I kept hearing the Spirit tell me, she carries a big sword. Ephesians tells us the sword is the Word of God, and it's so evident that the Word is in Victoria, and her heart is to share it with as many people as possible. Thank you, Jesus, for the work you're doing through Victoria's life. And you can keep up with what God is doing in Victoria's life by following her on Instagram at both Victoria Sosa and at Crave the Movement 
to see where they're going to be partying at next. And I can't recommend her book enough, The Raw Confessions of a Good Girl. I believe, especially in the world that we live in now, that every teenage girl needs to read this to understand the importance of sexual purity and their value in Jesus Christ. Go to goodgirlthebook.com to get your personalized copy directly from Victoria. I promise you'll be blessed by it. If you have any questions for Victoria, shoot me a DM on Instagram at TWTerryPod or by using the hashtag AskTWT. Well, that wraps it up for Season 3 of TWT. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this season. Spotify recently put out their end-of-year statistics, and I was blown away at the fact that this show was listened by people in 15 different countries, was in the top 20% of podcasts shared with others, and was a top 10 podcast for 200 of you. And that's not even taking into consideration the stats for Apple Podcasts or all the other ways you can listen to this show. The fact that you guys take time out of your day to listen to this and share it with others is so, so humbling to me. All glory goes to God, because none of this happens without Him. And like the tagline of the show says, I just want God to be glorified and Satan's butt to be kicked in doing this show. And it's such an honor and a blessing to be used by God to do the podcast. I'm going to be taking a little hiatus, but I will be back with the season four in 2023. So make sure to follow me on Instagram at TWTerryPod, like the Testimonies with Terry Facebook page, and subscribe to this podcast to get all the updates on season four. I'm also in the final stages of getting a website up and running, so stay tuned for that information as well. In between now and season four, I have a couple things to ask of you guys. First, please pray for me, my family, and the podcast, that God would continue to cover us, that he would open up more doors and opportunities for this ministry, and that these testimonies would continue to go all across the world to make Jesus known. Second, if you haven't already, please leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for the show. It really helps with the algorithms and making it easier for people to find these testimonies. Third, continue to share this podcast with everybody to get the word out. Word of mouth is still king, and I really appreciate you letting others know about the show. Lastly, I'm on a mission with this podcast, guys. I want this to reach as many people as possible and to put out the most quality product and content that I can. And if you want to help financially support me to do that, you can give a free will donation via Venmo at TWTPod, the cash app at dollar sign TWTPod, or PayPal at TSKAGS30. All funds will go directly back into the podcast to expand this ministry. Thanks again, everyone, for listening and supporting this podcast. And make sure you're living life in such a way that glorifies God and kick Satan's butt. Peace.